I'm sure you've heard this example before. Adults around you, especially parents, saying they're filthy rich. Well, as a kid, you know filthy is bad. You get in trouble for being filthy. No one wants to be around a filthy person. So immediately, unconsciously, we're taking in, yeah, money equals filth. That means bad. People won't want to be around me. Did we realize that happened? No, because then we can't challenge it. But our brains took in money equals bad. Money equals filth. Annie Del Rey's journey to financial freedom wasn't an easy one. Raised in a large, dysfunctional family, she knew she had to be her own advocate. But her determination to demolish limiting beliefs that were barriers to achieving financial freedom was sparked by her love for her younger sisters. Annie says, take time to reflect on the programming you received as a child and how it may be impacting your beliefs about money and success now. As a successful coach today, Annie guides others towards financial wellness by challenging old beliefs and blocks and focusing on their values. I'm Bob Wheeler, and this is Money You Should Ask. This podcast, our books, online courses, and newsletter all focus on awakening your money mindset. Our mission is to normalize conversations around personal finance so we can better understand why we do what we do when it comes to money. Ensure you never miss an episode. Click that follow button on your favorite podcast platform. So how did Annie Del Rey ultimately overcome her limiting beliefs to achieve the success she has today? Let's dive in and find out. Annie, thanks so much for being on the show. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. I know we've got a lot to talk about. I'm so excited. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just jump in. You're a health and wellness coach. Now, I don't know if that comes with a whistle, but talk to us about what you do and what inspired you to get involved in coaching. Sure. I learned about coaching while earning my bachelor's in psychology. So I'm studying the human mind. And then I learned that there was a difference between therapy and coaching. And I was like, holy crap. I didn't realize that there... <laughs> and I could share the differences because I feel like that really helps people. But yeah. I fell in love. So therapy. Therapy is the present. You're coping in the present. You're spending a lot of time in the past. You're unpacking. You're healing. You are processing. And coaching, we are talking about the present and all we care about is the future. That is all. So... For example, if my clients go into, let's say, a two-minute story about the past, I'll gently stop them, say, thank you for the background. What did you learn from this? Because we don't have a time machine. I don't put it in the time machine part. But right. the idea <laughs> of we're not going in the past. Yeah. You know that they're bringing their baggage, but we're not going to unpack the baggage. Nope. And if you still need that in your life, let's talk about finding you a therapist because it is important to unpack the past. It is important to heal before this forward movement or at least like optimal yeah. forward movement. Mm -hmm. And so what was the impetus though? Okay, you fell in love with it, mm -hmm. but was it, it's just fun to coach the whistle or was it, Ooh, okay. what drew you in? Like the human mind and psychology, mm -hmm. I get all that because people are weird <laughs> and interesting and fascinating. Right. All those things. Yeah, I would say, well, number one, I grew up in a dysfunctional family. Mm -hmm. So when you grow up in dysfunction, you, you see a lot of things. One of six kids. It was a wild ride. I wouldn't change anything. But my sisters were born 12 years after me. They're twins. Wow. And they became the loves of my life. Like I wrote the book for them that we were talking about earlier. They're the loves of my life. And when they were born, I was like, how can I be a role model? 
how can I be the best thing I can possibly be? There are now two little people in my life and they're taking in everything like a sponge. Yeah. As we were talking about NLP earlier, the idea of they're downloading every single thing that I'm doing right now. And this is a precious time. And also I want them to realize you can have financial freedom. You don't need a man Mm -hmm. to be your backup plan or your plan, especially. So yeah, I guess they were my inspiration to heal from the past, but more importantly, focus on the future and be successful so I can show them that it's possible. That's awesome. (laughs) You bring up a really good point that I talk about all the time. They're downloading this information the minute they're born. We all are. So listeners, hint, hint, you downloaded a whole bunch of stuff when you were two, three, four, five, and six, and you took that information in as truth. Yes. You saw something, mommy and daddy fighting about money, and you said money is evil. Money means conflict. Or whatever you saw, there's abundance. Mm -hmm. It's tight. There's scarcity. We all downloaded stuff. Wear the nicer clothes. You know, I'm the poorer kid in school. Whatever those things are, we downloaded it. Mm -hmm. And unless we update our software, we're still walking around with programming from when we were little kids, unconsciously. A hundred percent. And I'm sure you've heard this example before. Adults around you, especially parents saying they're filthy rich. Well, as a kid, you know, filthy is bad. You get in trouble for being filthy. Yeah. No one wants to be around a filthy person. Right. So immediately, unconsciously, we're taking in, yeah, money equals filth. That means bad. People won't want to be around me. Did we realize that happened? No. No. Because then we can't challenge it. But our brains took in money equals bad. Money equals filth. That's right. And or rich people are evil. And so if we want to be rich, but we don't because we don't want to be them. And maybe we're special enough to not be them, but maybe we're not special enough. So we do all these things early on Mm -hmm. and we set ourselves up with a map that's going to take us over the cliff instead of up the mountain. Yes. Have you studied Bob Proctor before? I haven't. Not that I'm aware of. He may be a little too woo-woo for people. I love him. He's like one of the first people I started studying with the unconscious mind. And I loved a lot of things he said about money. But one of the things was, yes, all about accessing the unconscious mind and how as a kid, we learn that's bad. There's all these things that set us up for the most part to think it's bad. Right. And what he teaches is what we need to understand is when good people make a lot of money, they do a lot more good. And when bad people get money, all they turn is worse. Right. But the good people do good with their money. Yeah. But all we see is, let's say, like the scumbags of the world. No, that's so true. And I think for me, the way I would rephrase that is money is an amplifier. If you're good, you're just going to be better. If you're bad, you're going to be badder. It's an amplifier. Money is neutral. We are the ones that take it to the limits, negative or positive. I'm just stealing that. (laughs) Take that one if that's okay. Absolutely. Take it, take it, take it. Well, let me ask you this. So you are a Jersey girl now living in sunny Southern California in San Diego. Mm -hmm. When you left Jersey to quote you, I was poor, poor, poor. (laughs) (laughs) And driving cross country, flying cross country, walking cross country, however you got here, poor, poor, poor. Tell me about that journey because it takes something to have the confidence to say, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm freaking going to the other coast. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Like I said, I graduated with my bachelor's. So I was like, all right, what are you going to do to be better? Because that was always my question. Like, how can you be better? And I learned about the field of speech language pathology. It's always needed. 
people use it for like stutters, lisps, trying to get clear when speaking two languages, all these things. And I care a hell of a lot about money. Oh, excuse me. I hope I can say that. Money or hell of a? Hell of a, hell of a, heck of a. (laughs) You can say whatever you want. Okay. And I always wanted financial freedom. I even knew about that as a kid, that this is very important. So I was like, all right, that's a safe career. I'll do that. And I applied to a few schools. Most of them were in Jersey. And then I saw a California school and I was like, whatever, I'll just send it in. Like there was a lot of steps to you had to do a whole portfolio. And I was like, I'll just mm-hmm. do it, whatever. And I get in and it starts, I don't even know, like three weeks for my acceptance letter because I decided like last minute to do it. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go to California. I didn't know a soul. You know, no one was supporting the decision. They're like, are you crazy? Yeah. Because it was so last minute, I only had a few thousand dollars saved. So nothing significant, maybe $10,000, which sounds a lot to people, but not when you're moving across country. Right. And putting a deposit down and then paying first and last month's run or whatever. So I start the program. I hate it. The first semester, I'm like, this is so boring. I've never been more bored. (laughs) So I quit school and I was like, screw it. I'll just start working full time here and I'll figure out the steps after. But I wasn't making money fast enough. So I was just poor, poor, poor. I was buying like McDonald's fries for one buck. There was days when I couldn't afford to go to work because I couldn't pay for public transportation. Yeah. like (laughs) It's tight. But here's the cool thing. You were poor, poor, poor. And here you are. You survived it. Totally. I think I was close to $20,000 in debt. And that wasn't even student loans. That was because I screwed myself with credit cards when I moved to California. Right. So I even paid off that debt. Like I did a lot of things when I was in the hole for a while. Oh, if it's not obvious, my parents didn't give me a dime. Like I started working at 16. (laughs) I was working like four jobs at a time all the time. So I was like, you're not going to go look for a prince to pay for everything. So what are you going to do? Yeah. So what was the childhood like? What was it like growing up? One of six, Mm -hmm. the twins came a little bit later, but what were your parents saying? What were they not saying? Mm -hmm. What were the things that you were downloading as a kid and saying, oh, this is the truth? Definitely phrases like filthy rich, definitely phrases like that. Mm -hmm. Or like, look at all those people with money and how much bad they're doing for the world. My parents, like I never went without food or shelter. Right. They were good providers. My parents always worked. And actually, they're very, very hard workers. So Mm -hmm. that was a great role model. They also were in a ton of debt, always living, as far as I know, paycheck to paycheck. It was later in life that they got a hold of that, that they sat down with a financial advisor and are like, no more credit cards. Or if so, it's only to build credit or it's only to pay off immediately after or whatever they were learning over the years. They they discovered Dave Ramsey. They did his program. Mm -hmm. But that was later in life. Right. After I'd already had all these years of programming (laughs) and they wouldn't (laughs) pay for college. So I was like, all right, you got to figure it out. You want to go to college. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it is. Like when you left to California and everybody was against it. (laughs) So for a lot of people, we think we have to bring everybody with us, right? Everybody has to come (laughs) along. And that's not true. We have to leave a lot of people behind because everybody's journey is their journey. Mm -hmm. How was it for you? Everybody's sitting there going, well, freaking crazy. (laughs) we're not going to help you financially either way, but this is a really bad idea. You're abandoning the twins, right? (laughs) Yeah. And yet, what was it inside of you that said, I got to do this? For me, I believed in myself. I thought I was worth the investment. I wanted it more than I wanted to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. I knew my sisters were watching. I wanted it for them. And this is a little side note, but I think there's so many women who are terrible role models 
And they are in your face way more than positive role models, unless you go out of your way to find positive role models. Right. So it's very important for me to teach them. You do not need fillers in your lips or to have the biggest butt. You don't need to rely on men for money. You don't need to be a cam girl in order to make money. Like all of these things. So I just kept telling myself, you got to believe in yourself more than anyone else because they're not. Yeah. A quote that I teach is, you are the only person that has ever gone to bed with you every single night and woke up with you every <laughs> single morning. And it will be like that for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> so You have partners, you have parents, you have siblings in your room, whatever. It's not forever. That's right. At the end of the day, it's just us. So you might as well learn to get along. <laughs> and that's what happens when eight people live in the house. <laughs> like, that's crazy. So you came to San Diego, poor, poor, poor. <laughs> you had debt and all that stuff. I just like poor, poor, poor. It just sounds fun. It is. It's dramatic. And it probably didn't happen overnight. It probably happened in increments. But how did you pivot from poor, poor, poor? Did you just say, I'm just going to focus. I'm going to work these four jobs. Like, no, I've got blinders on. What was it that helped you to pivot to say, okay, let's get rid of the poor, poor, poor and get to lots, lots, lots? Right. First, I had to make myself super uncomfortable. I had to call all my creditors. I wish I had my binder right here. I put out all of my debt, every single statement, all of my late statements. The original were taking you to collection statements. Right. And I called every single one of them and addressed it head on. That was so hard for me because number one, I had to take responsibility. And number one, I had to hit reality. Right. And again, I know I keep bringing back to this, but I never expected to rely on a man. So I knew my credit score was important. Yeah. That was another thing I was always looking at was my credit score that was plummeting. Right. I didn't understand 22% interest. Yeah. What's that? It's just a number. I don't know. Like, yeah. And especially when you turn 18 or around then, all these people are allowing you to get credit cards. Yeah. You can get a Victoria's Secret credit card. You can get a Walmart credit card. So it was addressing it head on, which was super scary. It was accepting the fact that it's okay to not have luxuries and it's okay to give up luxuries for a short amount of time because you believe in yourself that you will have all these luxuries later on. Right. And I guess living below my means, like I'd live in a house with four other people. I'd sacrifice a lot of things to do that. I went to school to creative wellness coaching. I got into more debt, making myself better. Right. Because again, I was investing in my future. (laughs) It happens. You know, the piece you mentioned about not having a lot of money, I don't want to say poor, but- Thank you. When you know there's no safety net, At least for me, I knew I had no safety net. My parents, I was not getting a silver spoon. I didn't even get a spoon. But I knew that I didn't have a safety net. And so I better create my own safety net because nobody else was going to build it. And I think that's a big motivator for folks that are aware. People that have a safety net don't necessarily know they have a safety net. They're just like, woo! Those of us that don't have a safety net, we're super clear. There's no safety net. (laughs) The troops aren't coming. (laughs) Right. I just recently heard the phrase of, if you grew up rich, you don't worry about money because it never had to be a worry. You don't think twice about it. Right. Just like you're saying of the idea of like, if I go into $30,000 credit card debt, my parents will pay it off. Or like, they'll co-sign. I didn't have a co-signer. That changes the game for someone. Yeah. Yeah. Having co-signers for any and everything. You know, look, it's a good reality check. I remember a couple of times I was in a financial situation, you know, and I was like, all right, I know it's probably going to be a no, but I'm going to take a chance. Hey, let me call my dad. He's like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> let me know how it goes. Totally. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice to hear from you. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> so it's so important. You're now coaching other people. And as a health and wellness coach, how do you prioritize your own self-care and your own well-being? 
time management, I schedule it as if it's a non-negotiable. So for the same as if I told a supervisor I'd be at a meeting, I'm going to be at that meeting. So I schedule self-care. And another thing is the idea of a mindset shift. Mm -hmm. So how I teach it is everyone talks about work-life balance, right? Google it and see how many results come up. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not telling you like Google it. It is well known. It's everywhere. Yeah. Thank you. I just give the <laughs> longest explanation. It's everywhere. Um, <laughs> but there's a problem with that. So now we are forever trying to reach 50-50. But ask anyone in another way of, do you want to spend 50% of your life working? They look at you like you're crazy. So why are we looking for balance? What we should be looking for is harmony. How can you make your work and life harmonious? And by allowing yourself that question, it takes a lot of pressure off because you're not searching for this balance that essentially doesn't exist. Yeah. I've worked with maybe 500 clients, maybe plus. And if we're working on careers and I ask them that question, I could think of one or two clients that said they would like things 50-50 if not working more. Everyone else said they don't want a 50-50. Mm. So what is the goal for most people besides harmony? That's great. Mm -hmm. Is it lots more money? Is it living below my means? Is it, and I know it's different for everybody, but we're all here on a journey. Totally. Going somewhere, even if we don't know where we're going. Mm -hmm. But at least when you've got people coming into you, they have some idea that they want to go somewhere other than where they are right now. Yes. And what I would say is, <laughs> my answer to your question is, the first step we do is building mindfulness. They are so stressed out about their money and they don't even know where it's going. Right. They're just hoping for the best. And when I tell people, it's kind of like avoiding the scale. You're avoiding looking at your bank account, but whether you look or not, either way, that's the number. Right. So I literally just had this conversation before signing on with a client of you have to find out what money you're earning and where is that going? Yep. And rip that Band-Aid because that's usually when people realize like, oh, I spent $50 on Starbucks. Oh, I keep buying donuts every weekend, these like fancy donuts. And I didn't realize I'm spending $25 every Sunday. And these are people who are like also working on a health goal. And they're like, oh, right. I said I couldn't afford having a trainer for a month, but I did spend that money on donuts. <laughs> yeah, or cigarettes. <laughs> oh. I was just in Australia and Australia cigarettes are like 60 or $70 a pack. That would incentivize me. <laughs> I'd be done. <laughs> You're literally paying to kill yourself. You're paying to make yeah. yourself sick. That's how I feel. Yeah. My sister laughed. She spent so much money on alcohol in college. She said she could have bought a house cash free. <laughs> like, I believe it. That's the other one. You don't have money, but how much do you spend at the bar? Right. Well, 22% credit card interest rate. <laughs> That's and crazy. And the other thing that saved me, I believe, was... I, let's say, partied my face off in high school. I drank mm -hmm. and hung out with older people then. So by the time I was 21, I already been in a bunch of bars. I'm like, this is kind of gross. Yeah. So I'm so thankful I didn't pay for alcohol or buy alcohol because I wouldn't have been able to afford anything in San Francisco. Yeah. Like nothing. Nothing. And it's got a lot of sugar. It puts on weight. <laughs> if you're trying to be health conscious. That's another thing that I'm just like, I'm not saying don't drink alcohol, but right. please don't complain to me that you don't have money when you go to the bar or yeah. you drink three bottles of wine a night. Well, and for me, like when you're talking about that, right, that gets back into mindset. It gets into story. So we all have a story. And then the question is, what's this story costing me? Ooh. You know, is it a story based on truth or is it a 
fictional story completely? And am I going to take some responsibility and make some changes so that my story has a better outcome or has the outcome that I want? Right. Along with mindfulness, the other core part is getting clear on what do you want your story to be? Right. What do you want? Is it to be debt free? Is it to have a house and a vacation house? Is it to hit six figures? Is it to have a really cool car and you don't care where you live? I don't know. I can't tell someone what their goals are or what their wishes are. Yeah. But for me, if we don't know our purpose, if we don't know what we want, like we don't have to know how to get there. We don't necessarily have to know all the pieces, right? But if I know the end result, Mm -hmm. everything will fall into place to get me there. A hundred percent. But I got to be able to see it or know that it's possible or know the outcome that I want. Mm -hmm. The universe will line it up, right? I love that they say the universe conspires with us. It doesn't matter. Okay, well, this is what I want. I'll figure it out if I so strongly want that. Totally. I can't remember the exact phrase you just used, but it was the idea of, if I see that it is possible, Mm -hmm. you see people around you making six figures. Are they your best friends? Maybe not, but you know it's- It's possible. People make six figures with their cleaning business. That's right. Don't tell me it's not possible. Yeah. Like, I'm just doing a random example. I think cleaning businesses make a ton of money, which is cool. Or laundromats, another one that I'm like, they know what they're doing. There are all ways. If you're not boxed in with, it must look like this. I think one has to be open to, oh, I didn't realize I could have it this way. Yeah, I'm still achieving my goal, but I thought it had to be blue, but it turns out it could be green. Yeah. Right? It doesn't have to be exactly. Sometimes we're surprised with the way it actually unveils itself. Well, let me ask you this. So talking about mindset and all these different things and the people you work with, how do you address common challenges that people face when trying to, you know, be healthier, but they're like lacking motivation or willpower? Like, what are some of the things that you do to help people move past, move on, change mindset? I would say the first thing I do is have them identify their values because a lot of time why things aren't working out for us is we're not living our values. Right. And the problem is we're not clear on our values. Some people aren't even clear. Right. So most people with families value their family. But if you're not spending time with them and you're not planning free activities, let alone paid ones, then of course, you're not feeling the best or living your purpose because you are actively doing something that's not adding to your values. Yep. Another example I give is loyalty. A lot of people value loyalty, stay with partners who cheat on them and work for bosses who take credit for them. These are just examples. But yeah. of course, you're not going to be happy. Every day you're unhappy because you're actively going against your values, ethics, morals, whatever word, because sometimes they're interchangeable. Yeah, I think we have to be willing to be uncomfortable. And most of us find comfort in the past or what we know, even if it's not healthy, not serving us, relationships, food, lack of exercise. It may not be helping us, but uh, it's familiar. So I'd rather be familiar with something not serving me than getting uncomfortable, getting curious and taking responsibility because, ooh, then you always have to be responsible. (laughs) Right. I have to continuously to grow as a person? Are you kidding Uh, me? What? Yeah, super annoying. Right. It is super annoying. What do you hope your legacy is with the work that you're doing and the way you're showing up in the world? What do you want your impact to be? Mm, I guess empowering people to know that they can do it. And this isn't to say that support systems are amazing. No one's gotten somewhere all by themselves. But no one's coming to save you, nor should they. You should not be waiting for someone to save you. 
And I would love people to know that, to just to be inspired and strive for independence so they do get that sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I totally agree. I always say, don't wait for your ship to come in, go out and build your own ship. (laughs) Also stealing that. (laughs) Got that? You got to make it happen. You got to make it happen. Yes. Well, Annie, it's time for Test Your Nerve. Okay. So we're going to shift it up just a little bit. It's Test Your Nerve brought to you by The Money Nerve. If you are interested in learning more about your relationship with money, go to our free quiz, testyournerve.com, and see your responses to money and emotions. All right, so we're going to have some fun. Okay. How did your childhood influence your views on money today? It taught me you can do it even if others don't believe in you. Yeah. Can you name a financial fear that you are dealing with now? Mm-hmm. Savings. Yeah, that's always fun. Yeah. Got to schedule it. <laughs> I get really good at it. And then priority shift. That makes sense. Yeah. Did you get an allowance as a kid? No. <laughs> no. And I sure as hell did all my brother's chores too. Yeah. That's hilarious. And didn't get paid either. Uh-oh. Not fair. <laughs> What's the least expensive thing that you own that means the most? Oh, probably a book that I paid like $1 for at a used bookstore. Yep. Books are amazing. Positive or negative, can you remember your first money memory? Maybe my first paycheck. Mm -hmm. Probably my first paycheck in high school. And do you remember if that was an exciting thing? Probably not like the check you saw when you got to California, but... uh... Oh, nothing. I was so excited. I probably made $100 and I was like, you are amazing. (laughs) It's (laughs) amazing. Yeah, I think minimum wage at one time was like $3. It was probably less than that at one point. It's crazy. Mine was $7.25 and my sisters now, I think, are $15 an hour. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember what you did with that $100? Oh, probably use gas. Probably gas money. (laughs) Gas money. (laughs) Maybe even alcohol, if I'm being honest. I don't know. Yeah. So it wasn't a Roth IRA or a U.S. savings bond. Maybe candy. Maybe candy. Maybe ice cream. Like clothes. It probably was clothes, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. And you probably still have them. You've saved them. Probably. No, truly. Like if they still fit, probably. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I love it. Well, so we are now at the M&M moment, our sweet spot, money and motivation. We just have all these different spots. So we just jump around. Can you share a practical financial tip or a piece of wealth wisdom, something that's personally worked for you that you could share with our listeners? Yeah, actually, I have this for money and it applies to all areas of life. Focus on what you can control and release the rest. Right. So for example, is me addressing my credit, even though I didn't want to call the creditors. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that, though? Can you give an example of letting the rest go? Do you just breathe and go, it's gone? (sighs) Or do you mantra, mantra, mantra? Like, how do you let that go? Because some of us are like, yeah, yeah, but let me just hold on to it a little bit longer because I've been holding on to it for like 30 years. Oh, totally. I love being miserable. Put it on my shoulders. Yeah. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. (laughs) I would say be solution focused. So yes, your credit store is crap right now and you cannot do anything for the most part this exact second. You can't call them and ask them to raise 20 points. Right. But what you can do is call your creditors Ask if, do they call it a write-off or... Yeah, cancellation of debt. If you can reduce it, you can look into secure credit cards. You can look for an advisor or a free advisor. So this is empowering. Okay, I can't control this. I'm freaking out. But what I can do at this exact second is look up free advisors. And I think that empowerment piece is what people start to relax on 
because building your credit score 50 points is super overwhelming. Yeah. But doing a step such as Googling free financial advice, you could do it on your couch, like on your phone. Step one. Yeah. The information's there. Yeah. I love that. Well, Annie, you know, I've enjoyed this conversation and the biggest takeaway is just trust yourself. Mm. We all could trust ourselves a little bit more, trust our intuition, believe in ourselves. But I think a couple of the pieces that help us get there, knowing where we are, like taking a stock inventory and saying, okay, this is my debt. This is what I earn. This is my weak spot. This is my strength. (sighs) Like actually being self-accountable, being self-responsible, because if we don't know where we are, we certainly can't know where we're going. And I think the other piece is, yeah, where do I want to go? Because we need both pieces. I need to know where I'm starting and I need to know where I want to finish for me to actually be able to put things in place for that to happen. Yeah, exactly. And this is the beauty. Sometimes you realize it's not that hard. It might take time, Yeah, but it's not that hard. Yeah. And the other thing I would just add is we can make a decision that this is going to be the best thing for us and get into it and realize it's not. It's okay to actually change your mind, pivot, and keep moving towards what we say our goal is. We don't have to stay the course if it's actually not serving us. Yes. And sometimes the pivot is because they originally weren't clear on their why or their why changed. Yeah. You're allowed to change. (laughs) You're allowed to change. And change your mind. Yeah. (laughs) Annie, where can people find you online and social media? And I know you've got a book, so you got to show us the book. Okay. (laughs) This is shit I wished I knew in high school. (laughs) Absolutely. And as mentioned, I wrote it for my sisters. It's a short book. It's attractive. (laughs) But it's fun and playful and, you know. Totally. A few curse words. I'll be honest. Uh Uh-oh. That's okay. I figured from the title. (laughs) There might be a couple. Shouldn't be that shocking. Absolutely. And what about your website? I'm assuming you can find that on Amazon and other places. But where can we find you? So my website is my name, but also I have it linked as coach-annie.com because it's so much easier. So coach-annie.com. Perfect. I have a LinkedIn and I have a Facebook, but I believe going right to my website because there's a lot of free resources and then reaching out there. Awesome. Well, we will put all that in the show notes. Annie, it's been such a pleasure talking today. I so appreciate you taking the time and sharing a little bit of your wealth wisdom with us today. Thanks for having me. This has been so fun. Thank you. Hey there, Money Master. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Did you learn some valuable insights around your relationship with money? Our guests shared some of their financial epiphanies. You might have experienced one too. Don't just sit there with that aha moment. Share it with us and the world by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Or leave a comment on one of our socials, at Money You Should Ask. Let's spread the word and help others explore their financial health too. But that's not all. Do you want to live in abundance and build wealth that can sustain you and your family for generations to come? It only takes one thing the willingness to change the way you think about your money. It's time to test your money nerve and discover what's been holding you back from financial freedom. Take the free quiz now at themoneynerve.com and begin your journey towards a prosperous future. 